All right, we're going we're gonna to continue this study of, of Galatians, and today we're going to talk a little bit about just how we meet Jesus and how important that is, what, what level of trust and importance we put on that. And, I mean, we're gathered as a church, so you would assume that we're, we're good with that that we're excited about that. But there's some hesitancy that we need to be honest about. So I want to pray. Uh, we're we're going to begin in, in Galatians 1.11. So if you have a device or a Bible, go ahead and open up to that. But I want to pray for us, and, and then we'll start looking, okay? Jesus, we trust you. And yet I realize that as we talk about experiences with you, some of us have some hesitancy and some baggage and some pain that we need to process through. And so, Holy Spirit, I trust that you are still the comforter. I trust that you are still the one who heals. And we ask that you do just that. Yes. God, thanks for who you are. Yes. Thanks for your word. In your name. Amen. Amen. So just as review really quick, last week we started this series on Galatians. And this is a, a letter that Paul wrote to this region called Galatia. And they're different house churches. It's actually kind of like what we've got here. Different groups of maybe 10 to, to 30 people, maybe 5 to, to 30 people gathered together in little homes. They would open up what we know of as the Old Testament. They would sing. They would celebrate communion. Um, and it was their way of worshiping together. And the region of Galatia is ethnically Celts. So they're the Celtics who were kind of a barbarian people. And then there are people who were um, who were Jewish in ethnicity as well, who are gathered together there. And this, this is a letter that was sent because Paul had some rivals who came after him and distracted with what he called another gospel. Yeah. And this was a deluding of Jesus. It was a way of saying that you put your faith in Jesus, plus you follow the Torah, And if you follow the Torah specifically on how to eat and making sure that you're circumcised, then you can be the people of God. And if you don't do all of that work, then you're not to be trusted and we can't really fellowship with us. And so the question we left last week with is, is sharing faith in Jesus enough to give us all a place at the table? Or is there something more that we're asking of one another? Yeah. So we're going to pick up right there, but first I want to acknowledge it is Valentine's Day, which is wonderful mm-hmm. as Hallmark makes tons of money on today. That's fantastic. But there are some kids on the screen, and particularly to you kids, I want you to know, obviously your, your home loves you, but your church loves you. Jesus loves you. Amen. Your church loves you. We miss you. It's good to see how well you're growing it's good to see your faces, and we want you to know that, uh, man, we can't wait till we can safely give you high fives and be tackled and and all of that, kids. Um, I miss you. It's good to see you on here. So feel much love. Uh, sadly, our love with one another can sometimes be fickle, but God never is, right? Mm-hmm. And that's part of why part of why we gather. Mm-hmm. Um, again, reminder: you can always have your your mic off if you want. If your kid makes noise, that's just the one church way. If you make noise, that's the one church way. Wayne, thanks for being awake today. We appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, we're going to start off in, in Galatians 1 and 11. Here's what, what Paul writes. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is a debate that's going to go on throughout the letter. Now, the, the thing that is on trial in this letter is this other gospel, is this deluded Jesus. But the argument that the rivals are going to make is that Paul received the gospel from somebody else, uh-huh. that he received it from Peter and James and John. And therefore, whatever Peter, James, and John are saying, he's, he's kind of skewed. He's, he's left out parts of it, and so these rivals are giving the complete gospel. And what Paul is saying is, I didn't get this from Peter, James, and John. I got this from Jesus. I didn't meet these pillars of the church. I met Jesus, and meeting Jesus is what transformed everything. Now, he did go on and meet the Jerusalem leaders later, and we see this in in Galatians 2, verse 9 and 10. I want to read through this real quick for us. It says, when James and Cephas, which is Peter's other name, and John, who were acknowledged pillars, recognized the grace that had been given to me, they gave to Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, which is the Jews. They asked only one thing, that we remember the poor, which was actually what I was eager to do. So this is like, what is the the right hand of fellowship? That's not something we really give to one another. I don't know uh, if I've ever understood it in our context, but this is the blessing of, of the pillars of Jerusalem. This is a way that they really shook hands. And said, yes, we're brothers in this. Now you go to the Gentiles, we're going to go to the Jews, and we're bringing the same good news. So the pillars in Jerusalem actually acknowledged that what Paul was saying was scriptural, was from God. And then they added this caveat, make sure that you remember the poor. And so a side note for us, at some point we're going to be able to regather. COVID's going to end. We're going to be vaccinated or... We're going to have our way to the other side of this. We're going to have a physical building that we get to meet in. And as we meet, I'm going to be so excited to see all you. I can't wait to be able to be in person with you again, to like have a, a big like barbecue in whatever parking lot we've got and all of that. But we have to remember that as much as we want to be together as us, the, the gospel of Jesus always goes to the poor. That's whatever neighborhood we go into, we need to remember the poor when we get there. Now, who are the poor? That's a a tough little category, right? Well, we're given uh, given a description in Deuteronomy that I want us to remember. It says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who exits justice for the orphan and the widow and who loves the strangers providing them food and clothing you shall also love the stranger for you are a stranger in the land of egypt yes as we regather in the least Mm -hmm. we need to remember the 
orphans and widows, the stranger or sojourner or immigrant or person who this is not their homeland. We need to provide food and clothing, not as a pity drive, Mm -hmm. but as a way that says that in Christ we're one and everybody belongs at the table. So that's a bit of a side note, but not really, because that's essential to this good news, right? Mm -hmm. So back back to Galatians 1.12. And we see, I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying to this church in Galatia, I want you to trust what I've received from Jesus Christ because that's what I trust. But for you and I, my question right away is, do we? Well, Do we trust when someone says they, they gained this from an experience with Jesus? And if the answer is no, then, then why not? The reality that we need to face is that sometimes a revelation of Jesus is abused. Sometimes the words God told me, well, those are abused, right? Someone just wants something. And so they said, God told me to do it. Because it's really hard to question when someone says, God told me to do it. Right. But just because someone has abused that before, does that mean that it, God can't do it? Just because we've encountered someone maybe who has said God told me and we're not so sure God told them, does that mean that God can't speak? Mm-hmm. Does that mean that we can't experience Jesus? Mm-hmm. You see, this is not just about God telling us to go left or right. This, this is us being honest about our story. Mm-hmm. I get to pastor a church and, and devote my life to the kingdom of God because I have met Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because at points and times Over and over again, I have experienced who God is. Enough so that I would want to steer my entire life around those encounters. And I'm not the only one. I know some of your stories, that it's that same thing. That it is, it's yes, this is a great book. But this is a book of the encounters people have had with God. And we've had our own. Amen. And so a question for you is when, of a, when was a time that you know you experienced God? And this is a question that's not just for adults. Right. This is a question that's not just for those of us who can read and semi-understand the Bible. This is for every little, little head we see on these screens. We can experience God at any point. Jesus is pursuing all of us and and can run after us. And we might notice at the youngest of ages. We see this in the way that little kids pray and in the ways little kids talk about love. That is God inspired. That's right. That's right. And so it's it's good work for us to remember what God has done. You see, these narrated experiences with God. They matter in the Bible. That's what Paul is doing here. He's narrating this revelation that he got from Jesus. Some of you know Acts 15 is one of my favorite books, uh, chapters in the Bible. That is exactly what that is. Right, right. Peter is narrating his experience with Cornelius. Mm -hmm. Then Paul is narrating his experience of God with the Gentile churches. And here's the thing. It transforms how people understood the word of God. When we tell our story, it's transformative for scripture. 
And so these narratives of our encounters with God, do we value them today? Do we value our own? Do we value each other's? And I want to encourage us, maybe, maybe it's time that we, we recognize the, the beauty and the power of testimony. Mm-hmm. Now, this doesn't just come from me. This, this comes from Scripture, right? Revelation 12. This is in the middle of a prophecy, and I'm not going to go through the whole prophecy. So I realize that I'm just picking out two verses. But here's what it says. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our comrades, that word always gets me, but the accuser of our comrades has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him. Other translations say they have overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. This is how we overcome. Amen. And we've talked about this before as a church, but I feel like in this season, it's really important for us to remember. We will overcome by what Jesus has done right. on the cross. By the fact that he was resurrected and con- conquered death. But we will also overcome by our testimony right. of the faithfulness of God in our lives. Our experience with God matters. It's to be cherished. It's to be remembered. But it's also to be shared. So let me give you a little, little example that I've been thinking through this week. There's a, there's a song that's been popular for the last like five or maybe ten years that's based on that scripture we just read. We've played it a lot at, at one church. It's called Overcome. It's got that great lead guitar lick. We shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You, you, you know it. I'm not going to sing it for you because, well, I just don't want to give you that gift right now. But, <laughs> but you, you know that the song I'm talking about, right? It's a great song. It's longer. It's like a melodic song. It's emotive. Now, I have sung that song probably hundreds of times. But if I'm honest about my own journey and my own worship experiences, those are usually an emotive experience. I I experience this emotion, but I do not necessarily tie the overcoming of scripture to my own life. Mm -hmm. I sing that song and it it remains a little theoretical. And it's not the song's fault. It's just, it's a theoretical overcoming of some theoretical challenge or oppression that I'm not really tying into my testimony. And I'm not usually singing that song next to someone else's testimony. So it just kind of remains out there as theory. If I ever need testimony and if I ever need to overcome, this is the formula for it. But that's not really the intent. There's there's this other song. There's this spiritual that you probably know, we shall overcome. It's we shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome one day. Deep in our hearts, we do believe we shall overcome one day. Now, here's the thing about this, this spiritual. It, it began in the time of, of slavery. And, 
and it was sung straight through Jim Crow. But, but it began to the tune of another song that was No More Auction Blocks. And these slaves would be working in the field singing No More Auction Blocks. No More Auction Blocks. Deep in our hearts, we do believe there will be no more auction blocks. That's a motive, right? That is their life. They're, they're crying out for the testimony that there will no longer be an auction block. Right, right. And then the war happens and slavery is overturned. But that didn't fix everything. Yeah. And Jim Crow comes in and the evils of racism are still present. And so there's this song, we will overcome. We will overcome. We will overcome someday. And that's sang through the Jim Crow South, but it's not just there. The labor organizers at the early 1900s began singing this song for, for labor all, all over the country. For people who were underpaid and who were risking their lives for the profits of others. They, they began singing for that oppression to change. And then the civil rights movement. This was like the anthem, right? On the March on Washington, this song was sung and proclaimed, and sure, some people there were just singing of the power of the group. If enough of us sing it, if enough of us do it, then they'll have to respond. But most of the people were singing that because they believed in the power of the promise of Jesus. That by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, they would overcome. And so they were offering their testimony with their feet and with their mouths that someday, deep in our hearts, we know we will overcome. And if you Google the song now, you'll see represented in all different countries and all different languages, this spiritual is sung. And it's been a, a way of oppression toppling in nations all around the world. And it began with this plea that there would be no more auction blocks. And then testimony was there were no more auction blocks. And then it became the testimony of great generations before us that we shall overcome. And now, if you hear that song, if you hear that spiritual, you feel that this is not theoretical injustice. This is, this is sung out of real pain, but real overcoming, real victory. This is birthed out of testimony that brings a transformative reading to scripture, because you know that those who were singing No More Auction Blocks were singing that in a field of someone who thought that this book defended slavery. And then the testimony of those singing No More Auction Blocks began to transform the way that scripture was read to see that in no way can we oppress people through slavery or oppress people because of color or gender or any other reason. It's at this table that we all belong because of Jesus. You see, this is what Paul is saying. Our testimony is the power and authority to the premise that Jesus alone is the gospel of freedom. And this scripture is the account of encounters with this God who pursues God's people in all generations, from all places, to make them all one and invite them all to the table.
So here's what I know. We're waiting as a church to see where we'll physically meet, right? We're waiting till we can because of COVID and, and to have a building. And I get asked these questions and they're great questions. Like, where will we meet? What, what is it going to look like? What part of town? All of that. But as we wait, we are being transformed. And as we wait, we're doing the work right now to make room for everybody. We're actively paying off our debt with this matching gift. Honestly, because we don't want to have debt. We want to be able to, every dollar that comes in, we want to faithfully be able to give to the poor, give to the ministries of the church, be able to be faithful with all that's happening, and and debt hangs on us. So we want to pay that off so we can run in the direction that God has for us. And as we're serving the poor, we're not doing this as, as there's some other, as we're supreme and better. But we're doing this as a way to say, you belong at the table as I belong at the table, because we know that's the testimony of Jesus at work. That's right. I know that we're waiting to hear how to do that, but as we wait, we're our eyes on Scripture. We're praying for the widow, the orphan, the stranger. And as we encounter one another and others, then, then we recognize God at work. But I also know that right now is time for us to remember our stories, individual and collectively. It's time for us to kind of mine our lives and remember the words that God has spoken over us. Remember the peace, the joy, the hope, the moments. Remember all of this. You see, our lived testimony and the sacrifice of Jesus, this leads all of us to gather at this transforming table. Now, next week on Sunday night, I do hope you, you, you join me for uh, Sunday school, Sunday night school. Um, we're going to have a little more in-depth look at this actual testimony of Paul. We're going to hold Acts and Galatians together, and it won't just be me. Uh, there's a few of us who are going to teach and, and walk us through what Paul actually did and what God actually did, and we'll have four different sections we'll look at throughout this series Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about what life to the full looks like when we're living it together. But this week, I want to give you a little bit of homework. I want to ask you to remember, and I want to ask you to notice. So first, I want to ask you to remember where God has been at work. Maybe go dig one of your first Bibles out. If you still got it, maybe it's in a box somewhere, maybe it's on a shelf. But one of your older Bibles, if, if you're like me, you had notes in the side. You had highlights that are different than what you currently highlight. Let your time with God this week be going and like recovering those highlights. Go read the words you wrote in the margin. Ask God to remind you of what God has done. Maybe you're someone who has journaled. Go flip through some old journals. Go recover some of those prayers that God has answered. Go remember your testimony. And then I want to ask you to notice, where is it that you get uncomfortable with this idea of trusting? Why? Where does that come from? I want you to notice moments this week where you do experience and encounter God. 
Maybe make note of that. Let's be a people who boldly know our testimony individually and collectively. Let's be a people who trust in the power of that. I believe that God wants to do something profound in us. I believe that God wants to make us one. Where the thing that makes us one is simply Jesus. And so I want to pray for that. And then uh, George and Matt are going to lead us in that spiritual that generation after generation after generation has sung before us that is a testimony of God's faithfulness. And I want to invite you to, to soak this in. So let's pray. Jesus, remind us of your faithfulness. Remind us of your own story within us. Give us the boldness that you gave Paul where he he had all faith in the revelation of you within him. May we have the same confidence. May you fill us with joy and peace. May we overcome by your blood that's already been shed and by the testimony that you are currently writing. Thanks. Amen. Amen.